0: Without Tiger in the field, and it's weird that we've been talking golf all week, and Tiger's name barely has come up. Uh, without Tiger in the field, Justin Thomas is Tiger's surrogate. Uh, he's got that, you know, get out of my way quality. I'm all about the golf. There really is no distracting interest. I mean, he loves sports uh, other than golf, like like Tiger does. But he really is about the work on the range, the work on the course. Uh, And the score, the score, the score And I think that's a uh, I think that's a neat quality in Justin Thomas And, uh, you know, I think if you've got a direct line To Tiger Woods, I don't see how That could be anything other than helpful
1: Put another log on the
0: fire
1: Nobody here is getting tired Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back for another Fire Drill podcast, joined by Michael Bamberger, Ryan French. It is the eve of the United States Open. Uh, gents, there's been a lot of, of build-up, um, we're finally here. I, I guess let's start with what has been your takeaway from the practice rounds the, at the country club, the way the course is playing, but more than that, just the ambiance, the, the feeling in the air, the uh the the Boston crowds, like uh, tell people what it feels like to be on the grounds here.
2: Yeah. I mean it's my first major my first open, so obviously I just walk around like enjoying all of it. So there's that. Um and obviously I know how hard the the US Open is and set up, but it's it's great to see it in person and practice rounds. You know, we see bad shots here and there as the US Open goes on, but to watch guys in the practice round truly struggle is 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 really cool um the crowds have been kind of i mean obviously it's tuesday and wednesday whatever but the crowds have been somewhat disappointing but i assume they'll drink more and enjoy more and heckle more phil got a very nice reception yesterday Deshambo got you know some nice applause i was like geez come on boston let's get at it but the ambience has been great the course yeah. is, looks amazing and impossibly hard um I mean the the whole ropes thing and structure thing and rules following thing is kind of disappointing. I I've, I'm at events when there is no such things and no fans, so that's obviously a bummer. But it's amazing. It really is a very very cool. Ryan, did you, have you seen any uh, player get the red ass over a bad shot in practice? I haven't, but I've definitely seen some people like laugh. You know, um, I followed a couple of groups the other day in, uh, on I think Monday, and uh, Andrew Putnam hit a whiff and then a shank out of the rough of the chip and, you know, just chuckled and went and picked up his ball. So, I mean, uh, these guys have been through it a lot, so there's there's no point in being mad at them on a Monday afternoon.
0: Is that the older Putnam or the younger Putnam?
2: That is the younger and the only current playing Putnam.
0: Oh, the other guy's not playing?
2: Michael is not. He was he was my roommate one year at, uh, well, just a few years ago at Shinnecock Hills. Wow. Michael Bamberger. I, I feel so badly. Uh, we have to have a story about the cryptocurrency taxi ride one day. Anyway, go on.
1: No, the more you hang out with Bamberger, he'll, he'll just bust out surprising things. The all-time classic is we're talking and uh, he, I, I knew he'd just been vacationing like in Martha's Vineyard. I said, how was it? He said, oh, it was delightful. You know, it was just such a nice place. Such a great time. I said, do you guys, do you go to, you know, fancy parties? I, I, I know it's a big thing. He's like, yeah, I went to one good one. I said, yeah, you know, actually I I saw Obama was there the same time. Did you have any, any hint of his presence? And Michael's like, "Uh, yeah, 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 I did. And, um, I, and then I said, was there any cool people at your party? And he's like, well, not really. I mean, I, I guess, you know, Obama was there. I said, oh yeah. And, (laughs) As I said, "Did you have any interactions?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about golf. Like he would have never mentioned it. Yeah, if I had like, like pulled it out of I him. I know. Like, you know? whereas most of us, I would have taken out a full page ad in my hometown newspaper. I went to a party with Barack Obama and talked to him. Yeah. Like
2: I would have been 107 tweets into my interaction with Barack Obama. But I, I, but I did
0: tweet out today, good morning, America. You 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 whiffed on Shipnock. How dare you?
2: Yeah. I mean, no, <laughs> well, that's too. Painful. I can't. I mean, as you know, Alan." But the 47-mile walk that we made yesterday was just... I just told myself over and over again to shut up and just listen to Michael's stories. Anything from <laughs> JFK to cryptocurrency to yeah, I the d- house d- that... I described Francis we
0: met winning yeah, the uh, U.S. Open in 1918. I was only off by five years. I later learned... Colt probably picked up on that.
1: <laughs> well, but you, you got to the essence of the story, yeah. and that's what matters. Um, Michael, you've been to... A lot of Opens, but, you know, it's been, whatever, it's been decades since we were at this particular yeah. venue. Uh, does this one feel any different to you uh, now that you've been on the ground? You know,
0: I, I've talked to Curtis a lot about 88, and then Curtis's brother said to me, uh, were, you there, were you there in 88? And I wasn't, and it's like, that was a bad U.S. Open to miss. That was a... Uh, that would have been a great U.S. Open. I, the only time I've been to the Country Club is when you and I were there together. I don't think you've been there since then in, uh, in 99. I love reading the Boston Globe when I'm here. It's just like one of my hobbies. And, uh, and they made a reference to the rocky outcroppings. I hope I have this word correct. Maybe Colt can, can Google it uh, while I'm saying it. Those rocky outcroppings that you see at the Country Club, anybody know what they're called? No That's idea. That's correct. Pudding Stone. Who knew? But they're so beautiful, and the golf course is so beautiful. And as Alan and I noted the other day with Jeff Ogilvy, that yellow clubhouse—you know—it's like uh, it's like the light at the end of Gatsby's dock. You know, it's just it <laughs> triggers a lot for me. Uh, and uh, I-, I love it. I love being hey, here. I hey, uh,
2: Colt, while you're googling, can you Google Gatsby? So I know what the hell that reference was doing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Ryan, you're fooling nobody. Um, we know you've got a PhD in molecular. I, I have
2: a question for you guys because you guys have done this a billion times. This is a serious question. Like, it, I assume some of this becomes routine, right? But there's so much going on in golf right now that has never happened in your time covering golf. Does it feel different? Does it feel polarizing? Does it, I mean, any of, like, what... It, what does it feel like with all the what's going on in golf?
1: Well, definitely this, the, the live sla- Saudi PGA tour Phil, that, that's captured the non golf audience and even the non sports, like um, for instance, time magazine wants to talk to you about all this stuff. Like they today, I'm going to do an interview with them. They, they don't really wade into these waters uh, very often. And I saw uh, Dave Zurin, you know, he he's who's kind of covers the intersection of sports and culture and race and, and those issues i, I haven't read it i just saw on twitter just now that he has a big think piece about all this stuff so it's definitely a big deal and there's been you know i, I there's been this strain of of our of our, our readers or the, the people interact with on on social media say you know enough questions about live like let's focus on the us open I think that'll happen starting tomorrow with the first round. But this is a huge story. I mean, it's one of the biggest story in sports right now. Like, you can't deny that um, there's there's a lot happening here. So it, it does. It's been floating around for a long time, but it's like everything collided here. Coming coming out of London, uh, Phil's reemergence, Bryson announcing. You know, the guy just won the U.S. Open a couple of years ago. Like, all of a sudden, it just feels like. Uh, this story has exploded. So, yeah, that I mean, you know, we've been through this before with, you know, say the Augusta National membership controversy. And that that became an, a fixation of the New York Times. And that definitely crossed over to the mainstream media. And before that was Shoal Creek. Um, and there's, you know, golf has been at this, the center of some of these storms, but not not really in the social media age. And um, Saudi Arabia You know, with Joe Biden's about to go over there and uh, it's Saudi Arabia's influence has never been greater and and people have never been so tuned into it. And so you have sports, you have geopolitics, you have oil, you have money, you have greed, you you have vengeance. I mean, you have big themes here. So uh, this this feels like like a monumental story. And uh, I don't think it's going to overshadow the U.S. Open, but it's definitely uh, defined the early part of the week.
0: That that is really well said, Alan. And uh, c- agree with every word that, that every word that you just said. And the only thing I would add to it, what's very different about this controversy and other things that have come over the years, whether it's Ben Wright's comment about uh, quote lesbians in the in the w- in the women's game, or you know women just happens to be another women's thing, but no women at August, no no uh, uh, p- members of color at, at different clubs. This one we know is being discussed by the players at every turn. Uh, so what we're doing is really reflecting the player's own interest in it. Now, yes, once the bell goes off and that ball's sitting there and you're trying to get near the hole, that's all different. But the PGA Tour, as we know it, is being redefined now, and there's no way that can't be foremost on virtually every player's mind. Maybe, Ryan, maybe not so much some of the guys that, that, that you deal with, but for a 100 other guys who are in the field this week, m- most definitely.
1: Yeah, but even 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 the the dreamers are going to be touched by this. I mean, on some level, if you have forty PGA Tour members who all of a sudden get excommunicated, there may be some more playing opportunities that will open up. That you know, the the Saudi money they they're they're cleverly going to start targeting the lower levels of golf. Like, it's going to touch you know even the people in in Ryan's golfing life. I think uh, that that's why it, it's such a big story. A lot of different facets of the game are, are being affected, even though right now their focus is just on the top players.
0: Alan, we, you and I talked about this the other day with with, with Jeff and, and, and Matt. Um, I think there is an element of, I'm going to raise the flag for my tour, if you're a PGA Tour player, especially uh, uh, competing in, the, in this U.S. Open. Now, I don't think that can make you try harder, but I think it can just raise because they're trying as hard as they can. But I think it just sort of raises the stakes to some degree. And in ways that maybe you can't even articulate, I think that does factor into, into the week. Do you, have, do you guys have a sense of that, whether you would agree with that or not? Fire away, Alan.
1: Yeah, well, so that was one thing I wanted to do on this podcast to talk about some of, some of the players. And, you know, the defending champ, John Rahm, uh, the guy who just won the last major championship, Justin Thomas, the hottest player in the game coming off that that very emotional win in Canada, Rory McIlroy, like they, they have all very uh, militantly thrown in with the PGA Tour. And, they're you know, they're, they've they made their allegiances very clear. And um, I do think that they there's a righteousness there. You, you certainly saw it from Rory and you've heard it in Justin's. Comments and, and Rom, you know, he's a guy who introduced fealty into the golf lexicon. Um, so I, I do think that um, there's something to that. All, all these guys are fueled by different things. I mean, if you know, when you when, look at Tiger Woods, like the great Tiger Woods, he needed <clears throat> some benign comment from Stephen Ames to get his engine revving and <clears throat> a million other things, you know, uh, all the ways he found motivation and fuel. Uh, some off-handed comment from Rory Sabatini, some uh, you know Jack Nicholas, some newspaper columnist in '86, kind of dismissing him as a contender at Augusta, like things that you that you and I would think they would just blow off. Like it does light the fire for even very accomplished players, and so uh, yeah, I, I think you're right, Michael. Like this is this is this is added an, a level of intensity and and just turned up the volume on the whole thing, and so uh, it's. It's the United States Open. They want to win this because they've always wanted to win this. But if if a live player wins this tournament or one, one of these guys who's become the, the flag bearer for the PGA Tour, that's certainly going to be uh, commented upon, even probably by the player himself. So uh, it, it's a subplot. There's no question.
0: And, and, and just to follow up on that, if it's Rory or Dustin Johnson down the stretch on Sunday, even though Dustin Johnson's an American, we're in Boston, I think they'd be rooting for Rory. Now he's Irish. Yeah. That might have something to do with it, but you could substitute John Rahm, and uh, I know I would be. Ryan,
2: <laughs> yeah, it will be very interesting if there if there's a live uh, a live guy and a and a tour guy, and it's so weird to say that that's where we're at in, in golf is like we're at the for uh, racing fans we're at the cart IRL uh, point in golf that we have to point out. Where these players are are affiliated with, but if it comes down, I would assume no matter what, they're going to go with tour guys. But I don't know. I mean, Boston Boston sports fans are are a, a fickle bunch, so it, it might be DJ just to, to mess with everybody.
1: <laughs> well, and also, I mean, one of the ironies in all this is that the monopolistic PGA Tour, this this organization that is crushed crushed so many reporters' hopes and aspirations for telling stories in a different way and that has lorded over the players in, in so many regards. All of a sudden, they're like the, the likable underdogs in this story, which is kind of rich. And, um, you know, I, I had lunch yesterday with a dude who was uh, – he was a longtime executive at the Golf Channel, and he, he dealt with the PGA Tour for years and years. And he says, it is such an eye roll that somehow the tours become sympathetic. He's like, they – they are the biggest pain in the ass to deal with at every level. Like he's like anyone in golf can't be rooting for the PGA tour. I I thought that was an interesting perspective. And so, um, you know, there are people who like chaos and, and there's never been, you know, in, in, in golf, you're rooting for the human. You're not rooting for the Jersey. Whereas in team sports, you're rooting for the Jersey because some of your favorite players just leave through free agency. But, you know, If you're a Red Sox or a Celtics fan, the players come and go, you're rooting for the, you're rooting for the laundry, right? You're rooting for the team. And so golf has never had that, that element before. And maybe that that's going to add something to it. The contrarians out there and the anarchists, uh, they might root for the live guys because it just, it adds spice to the whole thing. And then the traditionalists might be rooting for the tour guys. And so it's a whole new layer to fandom. Um, You know, I, I think a lot of the, 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 the folks out there in the gallery aren't paying attention to any of this. They're just happy to be at a golf tournament and they just want to hit shots. And they only know the name of 10 players in the field, but the lunatic fringe that consumes all of our stuff and that, that we're catering to at the fire pit collective, they're tuned into this and they probably have some, some rooting allegiances and, and some of them might be against the tour for a variety of reasons. So it's, it's a, it's a wild turn of events for sure.
0: I would say that PJ tour, Alan, to, to your comment earlier, the PGA tour, uh, may be the underdogs, but they've got a long ways to go to become likable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's a real thing. Like, I will say this when I was over at, at the live event in London and Phil hit one in the trees, I just pulled out my camera and I filmed like this 32nd recovery shot and fans going crazy. And I posted it on Twitter and it was like, wow, that was liberating. Yeah. Like, um, because i'm there for the fans they want to see all these shots a lot of them are not going to watch the live stream they just they just didn't get into it but they want they want some highlights they want some sense of what it's like and uh you know same thing The you know the first tee shots uh, to kind of kick this event off i put those up on twitter you know 30 40 second videos now if we've done that at a pj tour event as we all know especially ryan knows like they, they would they would unleash the hounds on us and we're public enemy number one. Cause we're trying to put some fun content out for fans. And at the live event, kind of anything goes and they almost encourage you to do that stuff because you're helping to, you know, to spread the word and, and, and to bring fans closer to the, the action. So that, that was a funny moment for me. Like, wow, this is cool. I can do whatever the hell I want.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't know where this is going to, I didn't know this podcast was going to go here and Jake can just cut this out if it is, but I will tell quickly. Michael might not know the story. Alan knows the story of my interaction with the PGA Tour and, you know, why, like you said, Alan, it, it's hilarious that that somehow with, they've become the good guys in this thing. So I, I was videoing Monday Qualifiers Forever, got a phone call that they wanted me to basically stop after I had helped them walk. The, they invited me out, and they they invited me on a call to offer me a job, and that they offered me a job for $30,000 a year that I had to start a new Monday qualifying account. Basically it was censorship. I mean, 100%. Uh, I remember a person on the zoom call getting on and saying, Hey Ryan, i I make a pros and cons video or a pros and cons list of, of where we go. And uh, when I look at a new job and he said, the fact that you can continue to video, it would be in the, in the pros. And that's all he said in the entire zoom call and i didn't even know that i couldn't video anymore that was their way of letting me know so it's a state-run media organization kind of i mean that's how they keep it they they threaten people not outwardly but very like hey if you write that we're not going to get you credentials or whatever and so all these guys have to swallow a lot of stories and um Oh no, it's pretty
1: overt. It's pretty overt. I mean, the threats
2: are not
0: subtle.
2: So (laughs) it was very eye-opening. I got off the phone and I remember calling my wife, and it's like it was basically like a video, a a call with the mob. They were just like, "Hey, you're going to write this and do this, or you're not going to be able to do this." And I'm like, "What?" I just had no idea. It was so eye-opening into you know what it is. So long story short, to say, I I can't believe it that the Somehow the PGA Tour is the good guys in there, in here. They're, they're not, they're the better guys, the best of the worst. I don't know. Whatever the, the thing is.
0: That's what my wife said of Rex Tillerson when, when,
2: when he finally, when she,
0: that's what she said when he finally left the Trump administration. We just lost the best of the worst. (laughs) Uh, uh, Ryan, to the point, by the way, you know, Bryson DeChambeau may have his price, but Ryan French is not going to be bought for $30,000 a year. There's no I way. thought about
2: it, Michael. 30 <laughs> I'd work three years for free. No, I'm just kidding. Ryan, Fire quick, quick, quick question for
0: out. you. You're, you're, a lot of your players haven't seen greenside pitch shots uh, like these shots. And uh, Alan and I have been talking about this a little bit, or Alan's been mench- mentioned this several times. You've got to be able to play two types of really of, of greenside uh, pitch shots, I'm not even using the word chip shots, really, because I'm really talking about an open-faced wedge shot when the ball's in the air longer than it's on the ground. The, the fairways are super tight, and they're going to get tighter, and the rough is 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 gnarly. Uh, a lot of your guys playing courses don't have these kinds of conditions. Have you observed them
2: trying to adjust and learn on the fly how to play some of these shots? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i watching Luke close the closest, but a lot of these guys are, are spending way more time at, at than they would around the greens. Um, for those that don't know, in, in, a, in a, uh, a pro pra- practice round, drives and approach shots, outside of seeing how the ball reacts on the greens, aren't really a part of their practice rounds. If they hit it in the rough, they know they're screwed. So oftentimes they'll hit a few out of the rough just to kind of see how it reacts. But outside of that, if they hit it in the rough, they'll move it back in the fairway. Because they want to get a good assessment of the thing, of the of the how they would play the hole, assuming they hit it well, um, but and they do a few chips and putts, but a lot of the guys that I follow are doing way, way, way more uh, chipping and putting around the green than I they would at a normal thing because, like you said, they they don't see rough like this, and it, it's obviously one of the many disadvantages of playing mini tours. Mini tours play on you know municipal courses and they don't see, they might see it at home or they might have access to a practice range that has something or, or a practice area that has something, but they don't see this on a 18 hole level, you know, ever in competition. So it's one of the disadvantages that the qualifier qualifiers faces. Yeah. They might be as talented, you know, as a guy who, and, and it, you know, hundredth in the, on the PGA tour, but the guy who a hundredth at the PGA tour, uh, A, has a place to play next week, and B, has played in conditions somewhat like this. So, yes, way more uh, time around the greens than they would normally would. Right. That's why Alan made the point the other
0: day with Jeff Ogilvie that in a weird sense, it's the easiest major to win. It's no major is easy to win. But I think, if I may speak for you, Alan's point was that There are only 30 golfers, maybe 40 in the field, who actually have the golfing sophistication to play some of these greenside shots that we're talking about to get themselves in position to shoot anything like 280 in the first place. Most of this field can't shoot 280.
1: Yeah, and and also to Ryan's point as well, I mean, really firm greens is a differentiator at every level, and you're not going to find brick-hard Baked out, closely cropped greens like this in many places. I mean, it's not sustainable at any level. Like you, you can you can put it push them to the edge for one week, like the USJ always does, and they've done here, but uh, no country club, no municipal course is ever going to let their greens go go this far. So, uh, how the ball reacts, what kind of shots you have to hit, what kind of grind you have on your wedges, like these. You know, on, in these turf conditions, it, it's, it's all new and it's a fascinating subplot. Um, and that's why, why we love the U.S. Open. It's just ask different questions at any other tournament on the planet. And a lot of the guys don't have the answers. And that, that's what's so thrilling about it.
0: I was just going to say along those lines, when you, when you take a really cerebral player like Justin Thomas, who is playing really well, and then you realize that he's come here a week ahead of everybody else and in a manner of speaking you can spend a week getting it in your head what am i going to do to play these shots and then you really come with a purpose could that mean you know a half a shot around there's no way to really do the math but it can't hurt it can only help and uh with with that in mind uh i don't really know who in the field uh, had that kind of preparation i know justin did uh but um i would be i would be looking to players uh like that who who had that luxury of knowing they were going to be in the event maybe coming here early and really getting themselves in the mindset of this is what I'm going to need to do to to win a U.S. Open or contend in a U.S. Open. I think is more likely how they think of it.
1: I mean that was that was part of Tiger's secret is he felt that the tournament owed him because he had put in the work. He had come and he would played the practice rounds. He'd done the prep. He's like, I've worked harder than anybody else. I deserve to win this. And that's an important mindset. with it the same thing with Nicholas, right? Like he's talking about he'd go to the majors. He'd play four rounds. And, and keep score. And he, he, Jack had already shot 280 on this golf right. course. He just did it the week before. Right. So, um, and again, these are not luxuries that a lot of guys have right. where they, they can invest the time and the money and, and build their whole season around majors and, and prep. So that's another reason why the best players are the best players because they've put in, put in very intentional work. And a lot of guys don't, don't have that appetite or they don't have that freedom. Um, but I'm, I'm glad you mentioned J- Justin because I wanted to talk about him. He's a guy who's kind of been overlooked. You know, Rory's become the face of the sport, um, but I think going back to like the 2017 PGA that that Justin won, no one had doubled up on a major until until JT just did it. And you know he's, he has he has Bones as his caddy now, who's obviously bring, brings a certain presence and know how and. Know-how and what do we think about Justin Thomas's place in the game
2: uh yeah, what live has done is kind of made people outspoken at least at this aspect of it so he's definitely become more outspoken um and a, a defender's kind of put everybody in the camp so i kind of like to see that about justin is you know just i like to see it about athletes i say it all the time to you guys is the players that I cover have no one to answer to, so I, I get honesty and, and rawness and, uh, at, at all times, for the most part. Um, but from the top athletes, they have so many ramifications from saying you know what is on their mind, but this has kind of made people forced to, to answer though, so it's been good to see a more animated, opinionated uh, Justin.
0: Uh, and, and it, I would follow up by saying without Tiger in the field, and it's weird that we've been talking golf all week and Tiger's name barely has come up. Uh, without Tiger in the field, Justin Thomas is Tiger's surrogate. Uh, he's got that, you know, get out of my way quality. I'm all about the golf. There really is no distracting interest. I mean, he loves sports uh, other than golf like like Tiger does. But he really is about the work on the range, the work on the course, uh, and the score, the score, the score. And I think that's a, uh, I think that's a neat quality in Justin Thomas. And, uh, you know, I think if you've got a direct line to Tiger Woods, I don't see how that could be anything other than helpful.
1: Yeah. I feel like, you know, like you, guys lose their way. Right. And uh, with the money and the fame, and I, I think it's easy to coast. And you've seen a lot of young players who they they kind of peak early or they flatline, but I, I think Tiger is like is like JT's conscience and uh, and if you're feeling if you feel like you want to take a week off and you don't want to work on your game, whether Tiger actually says it in a text message or you just know he might, like I think that gets I think that gets JT out of bed, and then he does have a, a special gift, and I think Tiger's instilled in him like he has an obligation, like like there's 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 something to chase and. That, that's invaluable. Yeah. You, you that can imagine really a Justin is,
0: Thomas to-do list. It looks something like this to-do list today. Get better at golf. That's it. Yeah, no
1: second exactly. item. <laughs> no second item. Yeah. Or maybe number two is scan the uh, Alabama football message boards for the latest recruit information. But that's about it. I mean, um, so it's impressive. Well, let's talk about Tiger because – you know his he looms large in 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 his absence and we we all got to to watch the grind at southern hills and uh i think it's a little melancholy that he's not there i I think uh, you know the masters was giddy It's like oh my god tiger's back he's got so much heart like it's such a thrill to watch him and maybe he, he can he can keep improving and the leg will get stronger southern hills was like a reality check like okay this is going to be harder than we thought Um, and i think this week is like it's kind of it's a bummer like well uh, this is this 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 is the reality that even an iron will cannot necessarily overcome just a broken body you know it's it's i think if if you told tiger he had to walk 100 miles uh he would do it if he had to if there was a competitive aspect to it but that's not the same as being able to execute golf shots and get your body to move in a certain way. And, um, it's just like, the reality is like he's damaged his body in so many ways and his absence here is heavy to me. It's like, okay, this is even, even tiger acknowledging, like maybe, maybe I can't do this. And, uh, what, what is your guys' takeaway from, from, uh, him kind of punting on this tournament and saying he's gearing up for, for the old course, but, what is the state of Tiger?
2: I, I take it kind of a 100% opposite, Alan, from the standpoint that, and it comes off of your tweet that on at the Masters he should have withdrawn at the last round, right? Like Tiger, as you said, has never had anything that has kept him back, even injuries he's driven through those to the detriment of his body, obviously. Maybe this is the side of Tiger that he's matured enough to know that he can't walk this course. He can't hit out of the rough in these courses, so he's going to save himself for the Masters and the Open Championship that kind of fit, A, what he can do physically, and B, his game at this point. So I take it as a good sign that he knows that his body is broken down, that he can't do the U.S. Open anymore, and he's going to play and pick events that we're going to be able to see him. So maybe this run, let's say it was – five years I don't know what it is that he could come back and play maybe it's now seven or it was going to end you know he could come here and and twist the wrong way and there's a lot of little hills and the the ground isn't even and those kind of things I think it's maybe a sign of maturity that hey yeah my body is is seriously broken let me play whatever that number of events is a year three to seven events a year and Maybe I can do this for four or five more years instead of playing all the events I want to play for two years i I agree with that Ryan you know part of the genius of of
0: tigers he's both a hyper realist and an idealist or a fantasist really uh about about what it what it, what he can do and um but the the realism he's so realistic about the ball and the lie and what he can do with the shot and he's and he's so realistic about his expectations so if he's gonna I think he knew he had very little chance of coming here and even making a cut and being able to walk it for 36 holes, let alone 72. And he's looking at the old course and he's thinking it's flat. I can walk it. I know how to play it. And, uh, the greens are, you know, whatever, it, whatever the greens are, they're slow. And I mean, he's a great fast green, green putter. So that's kind of a, he knows how to play links. Golf is what I'm really trying to say. I got a chance, uh, and uh, and I need and I need to rest myself up. So uh, I think he knew for that Friday round at Southern Hills, there's a really poor chance of me uh, not even shooting 80. And what kind of toll will that take on me? And he was wise to withdraw. It's unfortunate, uh, uh, but it's understandable. And uh, so yeah, I think he's just sized up uh, uh, the schedule. Having said all that, I find it really hard. And everything I say about Tiger is wrong. It's, I'm not being modest. It is almost literally a fact. I really don't see a path for Tiger to play competitive golf at the highest level again until maybe he's fifty and he's playing in in, in senior majors. Jake, please edit that out.
1: <laughs> I, um, for the listeners, that's Jake Muldowney, who's the, the, these podcast producers, and uh, we love Jake and he's great, but we're not going to edit that out. Um, I, I think, I mean, I hope you guys are right. I, I, you know, I guess I'm feeling just pessimistic, and yeah, this is definitely not an easy walk. And the old course is certainly flat. It, it's a bummer to think that Tiger is going to have to choose his schedule by the length of the grass and the topography. But may, maybe that's just realistic. But of course, Augusta National is the hardest walk in golf. So I don't know. I think this would have been a great a great course for Tiger because he he could have played so many crafty shots off the tee, um, and these fairways are are slick. I mean, he, he could have he could have just hit two irons and, and stingers and as we've talked about, you know, shaping the ball into these tiny greens and then the recovery shots. Like I actually think this, would, this is one of the best U S open venues for him because a lot of them are, are now like we saw at wing foot. It's just about how far you can hit it and whether you're in the rough or not, it doesn't even matter. Um, uh, I think this is a different kettle of fish. I, I think it would have been amazing to watch him navigate this golf course, but, um, well, to your point, Marion, 2030
0: so, shapes up well for him.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. I, I appreciate your optimism. I need some. I need some of that because I'm. 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 I'm missing Tiger this week. Just his, his presence to me. It's kind of glum.
0: Can I just address Tiger directly here? If he's if he's listening this far into the podcast, presumably he is. <laughs> I think there's a great second chapter. I know I've said this before, but I want to keep saying it until we get some kind of reaction from Tiger. Like, yeah, that's a really good idea. I would love to see him get really involved in the PGA Tour and be something like chairman of competitions. And um, be part of a small group that's going to reinvent the PGA Tour, as we know. Because I think it's going to have to happen. And I think there's no one with more gravitas and more experience um, uh, to do it than he. Uh,
2: I just think it would be a really neat thing for golf. And it would be great for him. My goal, Michael Bamberger, is to use the word gravitas. A, learn what it, how the hell to use it. And B, use it in a podcast before the end of the week. you you just did uh, alan (laughs) (laughs) um well tiger is an is an x
1: factor in all this wrangling between the tours because what does jay monahan have monahan have that the the saudis don't tiger fucking woods like the the greatest golfer of all time still the biggest draw and as, as you're saying michael if if he's not going to be able to play that much tournament golf, how can you leverage Tiger? And if I'm Monahan, I'm, I'm going to fly down to Jupiter. I'm going to say Tiger. What is your vision for the PGA Tour, and how can we bring it to life? And let Tiger shape the schedule. Let him create his own invitationals, his own formats. Like have a tour within the tour, as you're saying, that is completely Tiger-centric. And he has a he's the he's out front and center. And whatever crazy idea he has. The answer is yes, and wh- whatever if he wants if you whatever course he wants to go to, whatever format, if he wants to give Charlie a sponsors exemption, sure. Like, like Tiger Woods is is could be the savior of the PGA Tour in a way that we never would have imagined, given his limited. And, and, and so I don't think I, of I leverage
0: think be- as a political word uh, in this context, even though he does represent a great a, a great deal of leverage. I just mean his actual intelligence and love of tournament golf. And the creative side that we we actually do see on the golf course, we don't see too much off the course. Um, he could just, and the fact that he needs something in his life, it would just be an absolute win-win.
1: Yeah, I love that. Uh, all right. Well, as we as we uh, set the stage for for tomorrow's first round, and any any parting thoughts about about this open? I mean, do we have? Uh, has anything caught your eye either in the press conferences and the practice rounds? Uh,
0: I would just offer of this really quickly. And Ron, you may, you may know the answer. It's amazing to me to think that we haven't been here for us open since 1988. And I don't know offhand, maybe you guys do when is it coming back here? Because this place is iconic and beautiful and Boston's a great city for, uh, for, for, for national uh, open. Um, do, do you know when it's coming back? I have no idea. Do you happen to know? I'm googling it right Google now search. but I don't I think see it, I, don't,
1: everybody I don't, googling I don't it. think it I don't think it's it's been announced but to to that point Michael like we all have our sort of mental bucket lists of the courses that we want to play that we haven't and the country club has like skyrocketed my own rankings cuz it is just, yeah. just so visually spectacular and it's there's nothing like it in American golf with the blind shots and I mean it really feels like you're at Croton Bay or something. I mean it's it's wild and wooly and funky and you know to use Jeff Ogilvy's word from the other the other night. I mean it's nuanced and it's quirky and I love this place. I mean it it is just it to me this is like the most beautiful golf course I've seen in a long time and. This golf course plays in USGA's hands because it doesn't emphasize length. Exactly. I mean, it's one of the, one of the, first, you know, it's been said many times, it's one of the founding members of the USGA. It's one of the oldest clubs in in, in the world. And if they can't make a US Open work here, they should just fold up and, and quit the whole thing. So the fact that it's going to be a spectacular test and the score, the winning scores are going to be even par or whatever, and it's not 8,000 yards, like, of course, they they have lengthened it and they have tweaked it, but that's that's the way it goes. But yeah, it it looks timeless, and I, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be such a star this week. So it makes me even more excited about about this open. Ryan, any last thoughts?
2: Uh, here's to a is to a qualifier winning. That's all I have to say. That'd be cool. This is the <laughs> the chance of a lifetime in any sport. Nothing like it. A guy could come out of the mini tours to win the biggest championship in the world. So um, Jake is showing me a sign that I have to mention our sponsors, our awesome sponsors, uh, PowerPoints. You should download the app. It's a new way to score in golf. It's pretty awesome. I love it. And they've been a huge supporter of us, and I really appreciate it. I don't even know if I'm supposed to do the sponsor ad, but I'm going. I'm running with it right now. So download PowerPoints. Uh, they've been super awesome to us and we appreciate this so we can do this crazy stuff and yell at Alan and talk over each other and uh, we appreciate their, their help.
1: Yes, to, um, to the listeners who have in, endured the crosstalk, we, we love you and we thank you. Um, and it'll be reduced as the week goes on. We're going to come up with some elaborate hand signals. We're going to look like a third base coach here where the bases is loaded and we'll work out the kinks uh, but um this is another fire drill podcast we will be doing them probably every day going forward we'll bring on u.s open champion jeff Ogilvy for a few of them at least and uh thanks as always for listening uh, michael bamberger ryan french uh onward We're, enough talk let's 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 play some golf in earnest let's start counting up the strokes i mean the Uh, The early week stuff is interesting, but, but now is when it gets really good. So the U.S. Open this year. We're loving it. Thanks for listening.
0: Put another log on the fire. Nobody here is
1: getting tired